At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week in Leicester, a fine city boasting a rich and varied history. A settlement is first recorded in the area during the Iron Age when a Celtic tribe discovered ferrous ore deposits, learned how to extract iron and settled here to build their dwellings. Two centuries later, the invading Romans named this tribe the Coritani, being the Latin word for people whose houses have rusted away. <laughs> In 1485, Richard III stayed here on the eve of the Battle of Bosworth. He took lodgings at the White Boar Inn, where he famously insisted on taking his own bed. As the inn has since become a travel lodge, many guests today wisely choose to do the same. <laughs> the former England footballer Gary Lineker was born here into a family of greengrocers, which explains why whenever he took a shot at goal, the ball was always just a little bit over. Leicester was also the birthplace of John Merrick, whose life was immortalised in the film The Elephant Man, featuring John Hurt in the lead role of Dumbo. <laughs> Despite being very much a forward-looking city, Leicester today is keen to retain at least a few small reminders of the past. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. <laughs> They are on my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. And on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. And looking forward to scoring on the desk next to me, please welcome the ever delightful Samantha. <laughs> OK, let's get cracking with the first game, which today is cost-cutters. As economic gloom sweeps over the broadcasting industry teams, ever more draconian cuts are being made to budgets, and even this programme is not immune. This week, Jeremy saved cash by cycling to the theatre, while Tim hopped on the back of Graham's moped. Barry actually raised funds by selling off some of his old clothes, which I'm pleased to say have brought a welcome touch of authenticity to the Forsyth saga. <laughs> With budgetary reductions very much in mind, teams, I'd like you please to suggest cut-price versions of well-known films, books, radio and television programmes. Barry, will you start, please? Viva Johnny Vegas! <laughs> Jeremy. Um, Sabrina the Teenage Reflexologist. <laughs> Graham. Two creatures, great and small. Tim. In a home with the Braithwaites. <laughs> Cut price version of King Kong called Monkey! <laughs> <coughs> An evening with Nicholas Parsons. <laughs> Two evenings with Nicholas Parsons. <laughs> Badil and Skinner unpaid. Neighbours from Hull. <laughs> Jurassic Swings. <laughs> Formula One Grandparents Race. 
<laughs> the singing de defective. <laughs> With a speech impediment. When Harry watched telly. <laughs> Tiller the nun. <laughs> Star Trek villager. <laughs> Oranges are the only fruit. Have I got the big issue for you? <laughs> Edward and Homer Simpson. The Witches of Gatwick. <laughs> Tales of the Inexpensive. <laughs> Those magnificent men and their washing machines. <laughs> The teams are going to sing for us now in the round called One Song to the Tune of Another. There can't be more than a small handful of people quite so irredeemably dense that they're incapable of immediately understanding how this works. So what happens, teams, <laughs> is that we take the words of one song away from its tune and substitute them for the words that have been taken from another song. The obvious analogy is a bottle of wine at a blind tasting. It could be a Chardonnay or a Rioja, perhaps a Burgundy. But you mustn't get bogged down on what type of wine teams. That's not important. <laughs> so let's just assume it's an English hock from the Kentish vineyards. <laughs> the wine could be poured out of the bottle, leaving you with an empty but still serviceable container. <laughs> and I can see by the look of horror on your faces, teams, that you're way ahead of me in thinking... But if our English wine is poured away, what on earth are we going to use to top up our antifreeze? <laughs> but you're missing the point, because what we do is to refill the bottle with a different vintage, which is exactly what happens in one song to the tune of another, except, of course, there's no wine involved. <laughs> so no tasting and no spitting. At least not until you hear the piano accompaniment of Colin Sell. <laughs> Barry, can you start? I'd like you to sing the words of Don't Blame It on the Boogie to the tune of Scotland the Brave. <laughs> My baby's always dancing. It wouldn't be a bad thing, but I don't get no loving, and that's no lie. We spent the night in Frisco at every kind of disco And from that night I kissed our love goodbye Don't blame it on the sunshine, don't blame it on the moonlight Don't blame it on the good times, blame it on the boogie That nasty boogie bugs me, but somehow it undrugged me That spellbound rhythm gets me all night through OK, now you, Tim, I'd like you to sing the words of the Scooby-Doo theme to the, tune of, to the tune of Guide Me, O Thou Great Redeemer. Pretending you've got a slave up 
see the way you shake and shiver. Okay, your turn, Graham. Would you please sing the words of the Teddy Bears Picnic to the tune of Charles Aznavour's She? <laughs> Surprise if you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever was will gather there for certain because today's the teddy bears of their picnic. A picnic time for teddy bears, the little teddy bears are having such a lovely time today <laughs> watch them catch them unawares see them picnic on their holiday see them gaily glad above <laughs> they love to play and And finally, Jeremy. Main man, main man. A phrase that resounds like the knell of doom. <laughs> Jeremy, <laughs> would you please sing the words of We'll Gather Lilacs to the theme from Hawaii Five-O? By all means. We'll gather lilacs in the spring again And walk together down an English lane Until our hearts have learned to sing Again when you come home once more and in the evening Hold me close, <laughs> never let me go. Your eyes will tell me all I want to know. <laughs> and when you come home once more, and even by the firelight glow, you'll hold me close and never let me go. Moving Cancel swiftly on, <laughs> I see the next round is called Straight Face. The team's task is to speak without ever making our audience laugh. I know they've been putting in a lot of practice for this one, because <laughs> I've had to sit through it for 30 years. <laughs> OK, teams, I'd like you to utter one completely humour-free word each at a time. Even the slightest titter from our audience will result in immediate disqualification. The game ends when there's just one player left or I have to leave for my next booking in Regent Street. <laughs> well, those Christmas lights aren't going to switch themselves on. <laughs> OK, Tim, will you start with your first unamusing word now, please? Donkey. Hubris. Architrave. Prune. Tangerine. Fig. 
Pleurisy. It's the way you tell them. <laughs> I thought I heard a titter, but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Graham. Gerda. Limousine. Kangaroo. Hosanna. Titter. Oh. Sorry, you're out. You're out, Jeremy. Oh. Uh, bad luck, Jeremy. Jeremy. Never shame. mind. The rest of them are in. Graham. I said shame. Shame. <laughs> Balalaika. Prosthetic. <laughs> Balaclava. Lamprey. Quantum. <laughs> Loop. Troika. Jerum. <laughs> <laughs> They're all out. What? I think it was a merciful release from that. <laughs> yeah, quick, hurry this on, please. You're, you're, you're out. Carry on, Barry. <laughs> Barry? Who is it? Stop that. Sounds Barry. Like... <laughs> is it just you and me now? Yeah. It is, yes. I give it three weeks. Um, <laughs> litigious. Mouse. <laughs> Molecule. Bill. Braggadocio. Trigonometry. Algebra. Sums. <laughs> Graham, you're out. Graham, you're out. <laughs> Carry on, Barry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Our next game is called Hard Sell and is all about devising new adverts. Even the most unlikely products need selling and creating sales campaigns for these can be quite a challenge. We all remember the calamine lotion aimed at sufferers of embarrassing rashes which encouraged sales with the slogan to kiss goodbye to sore bottoms. So, <laughs> so teams, I'd like you to develop adverts, please, for unsellable things. And we're going to start, Tim and Jeremy, with you. The subject of your advertisement is death. <laughs> Why not take the cruise of a lifetime along the river Styx? <laughs> At Underworld, the adventure's only just finished. If you've been refused credits, missold a pension, or just can't be asked to go on living... Take a break from life. Death, the longer-lasting break the weather can't spoil. And if your credit rating is good, what better time to take out a loan you'll never have to pay back? <laughs> Join the spirit world. Just lie back, close your eyes, and let us do the rest. Where in the world? Underworld. <laughs> OK, you now, Barry and Graham, and I'd like you to provide us with an advert for houseflies. <laughs> Off you go. Looking for a new sort of pet? You won't do better than a housefly. The perfect companion. You're never alone with a fly. Feel the buzz. And why? Why stop at one? Before you know it, you'll have lots. See how the girls at the office admire your flies. 
take blue bottles into the shower? <laughs> no, thanks. I've got a fly. <laughs> Bye. OK, teams, why not play a game involving sound effects? Ooh. Oh. One of many thousands of good reasons. The best must be that we haven't got any with us. <laughs> Which is a shame, as sound effects are the most useful devices to conjure up a sound picture in the ear of the listener. In fact, BBC sound effects aren't always what they seem. The noise of a film projector is actually an old sewing machine. The sound of the sea lapping against the shore is made by rolling ball bearings on a tin tray. And when we hear what sounds like a bath being filled, it's actually Barry Cryer pouring out his lunch. <laughs> in, the in the spirit of make-do and men, the teams are going to play human voice box in which one team will tell a story for which the other has to supply the sound effects vocally, as each is mentioned. Anyone failing to provide the appropriate sound effect will have a point deducted. OK, Tim and Jeremy, you're to start. If you'd care now to relate your tale, Barry and Graham, I'd like you to provide the sound effects. Off you go, Tim and Jeremy. The tale of Gosforth Manor. Yeah. <clears throat> it was to be a lively weekend at Gosforth Manor. There was a loud rap at the door. As the hip-hop artists arrived to provide the evening's entertainment. <laughs> the elderly footman came shuffling to the door. The staff had been playing rummy below stairs and he'd been about to deal. <laughs> oh, dear. The door had been locked and bolted. <laughs> Across the field, startled by the rappers. <laughs> well, pardon me if I startle you with my rapping. <laughs> uh, my name is... Oh, I say it's getting dark. I must go to Gosford Park. <laughs> Rappers of the Werther's Originals, the musicians were sucking. <laughs> Lord Gosforth still found himself short of breath. Freshener. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Duchess was aroused by strange sounds from the cellar. <laughs> Hold em, feel em, they're lovely, hollered the fruit seller, who had called at the hall. <laughs> Nice big juicy bear. Thank you, said Her Grace. <laughs> the butler coughed. <coughs> up the money for the pair and the wrappers. <laughs> and everything was set for a tremendous party. The guests all came at once. To the same conclusion. <laughs> this <laughs> was to be no ordinary hip-hop and fruit salad English country house weekend. No. At midnight, the clock struck twelve. Boing. 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 People as it fell from the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it struck Lord Gorsworth by a knowing ball crash. That this was no accident. This was murder. Dun, 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 dun. On the dance floor by Sophie Ellis Bexter. <laughs> the end. Oh.
OK, your turn to tell a story now, Barry and Graham, and you're providing the sound effects this time to Tim and Jeremy. So off you go, please, Barry and Graham. This is a story of the uh, Royal Flying Corps in the yes. First World War. Damn good it is, too. Yes. <laughs> it was dawn. <laughs> His fiancée... <laughs> ..and bird impressionist... <laughs> <laughs> ..he was... Squadron leader Ginger Nobbs, <laughs> who looked up at the sound of her girlish voice. <laughs> screaming for help. <laughs> the airfield was under attack. <laughs> <laughs> From a swarm of bees. <laughs> In the confusion, nobody noticed the German flying ace von Richthofen approaching. Out of the sun. Good morning. On a pogo stick. <laughs> Ginger took off. <laughs> Lloyd George and a young Al Jolson. <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> Von Richthofen went into a dive. <laughs> Ginger tried to follow him, but he wasn't a member. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Dawn had got onto the radio. <laughs> Climbing down again. <laughs> She ran to the signals room and started tapping furiously. Let me in, she said. <laughs> the door opened. Silently. <laughs> <laughs> there stood Ginger, accompanied by the pipes and drums of the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. <laughs> the boys aren't here to play them, said Ginger. <laughs> the end. It's time now for an old favourite called Cheddar Gorge, just one of a surprisingly large catalogue of games taking their names from famous locations around the world. One thinks of Victoria Falls, which involves white water rafting on a sponge cake. <laughs> In Cheddar Gorge, the teams construct a sentence saying one word each at a time. The object is not to complete the sentence, but if I judge a full stop has been reached, you hear this. As I prod a baby elephant with a stick. <laughs> Tim, I'd like you to start, please. This week's subject is the instruction manual for a self-assembly wardrobe. Off you go. First, take... Number... 18. Screw... From Sprocket D, which will insert itself into the flange, which can be inserted into a adjacent gusset. <laughs> Carefully <laughs> next to the large screw which 
extends from one side to another of the diagram, which you will ignore <laughs> at your extreme pleasure. <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> you will not find any complimentary Alan nuts <laughs> in the packet which you will throw immediately over the fence <laughs> into a nearby child. <laughs> not taking this seriously. <laughs> With a handy... <laughs> Well, it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time to fit in a round of pharmacist songbook. Samantha tells me she has to go now as she needs to nip out to see her local pharmacist. He keeps a wide range of tanning cream for her legs and he's always happy to spread them out for her on the counter. <laughs> so, So while she's away doing that, I'll invite you teams to please suggest song titles likely to appeal to the staff and patrons of high street chemist shops. Graham, will you start, please? I believe for every drop of rain that falls... <laughs> I'd walk a million miles if it wasn't for piles. Have you got anything? <laughs> Ain't a soul man... Super K-line, pencil, styptic, X-lax and some douches. <laughs> Enema Rigby. <laughs> if I could Gonna... walk on by, I wouldn't need talcum powder. <laughs> <laughs> the trapped I... wind beneath my wings. <laughs> I'm vaselining on a lamppost. <laughs> Suppository in motion. <laughs> I get my syrup of figs on Route 66. <laughs> and so, ladies and gentlemen... As the rabbits of time munch their way through the maze of eternity, while the Hampton Court of Destiny calls in the pest controllers of doom, <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show. So from the team, Samantha and myself, and the good folk of Leicester, it's goodbye. Barry Connor, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke Taylor will be given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson and the producer was John Naismith. <laughs>